Hey Sluice, welcome back to Cold Case Study. I'm your host Morgan, and it is currently 1.04am on Friday morning, but I am very excited to talk to you about today's case as a very proud member of the LGBTQA community. As you saw, if you follow me on Instagram, at Cold Case Study, or if you read the title of today's episode before clicking to listen, today's case is about the San Francisco doodler who killed somewhere between 5 and 16 gay men during the 1970s. He got his moniker for his habit of sketching patrons of gay-friendly establishments as a way to lure in his victims. The main reason people believe he hasn't been caught is due to the stigma around being a gay male in America, both then and now. But before we get into the case, I've got to give some girls a shout out. If you're looking for a true crime podcast to listen to, you have to check out Murder Vibes. The hosts, Kira and Angela, are best friends, and they cover underreported cases and crimes that generally are not covered by the rest of us in the true crime community. They release episodes every Wednesday, so make sure you're ready to listen because you can help solve the case. But with that, let's get into our case. Grab your sleuth book and top off your coffee because we're going to dive straight in and I've only got one question for you. Can you help solve this cold case? Warning, the following audio contains adult content, mentions of homophobia, dubious consent, sexual situations, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. So, there's not a lot on any of the victims or on the details of this case at all out there. I've currently, as I was writing this script, had six articles pulled up on my computer, but it's sad how little information there is out there. So, of course, not much is known about Gerald Earl Cavanaugh. Gerald had immigrated to the United States from Canada and took up residence in San Francisco, California. On the morning of January 24, 1974, around 1.30 a.m., a man placed a call to 911. In the released audio, the man said, quote, I believe there might be a dead person on the beach. I thought I saw someone lying there, but I didn't want to get too close to him because you never know what could happen. End quote. When asked by the dispatcher if he would give his name, the man said, quote, no, I don't think that's necessary. I just wanted to let somebody know. Maybe he needs help or something, but I felt it was my duty to report it. End quote. The mystery caller, who could have been the doodler himself, has never been identified. The call was about 49-year-old Gerald Earl Cavanaugh, who was found on Ocean Beach in San Francisco, fully clothed and in the supine position, which I had to look up. So the supine position is literally just laying flat on your back with your hands at your side. He had been stabbed numerous times, and we know that he tried to fight his attacker off due to his self-defense wounds. The fact that Gerald was fully clothed is an important detail to note in your sleuth book. Gerald was initially unidentified, and when the medical examiner dubbed him John Doe Number 7, he also discovered that Gerald was alive when he was stabbed, which had been done hours before his body was found. Five months and a day later, Joseph J. Stevens, a drag queen and comedian, was found dead at Spreckles Lake by a woman who was walking her dog. 
Jay was 27 years old and had been seen alive the night before at a club, and police believe that Jay had possibly transported his killer to Spreckles Lake before being murdered. The doodler's third victim was Klaus Christman, a German-American immigrant who was married with children. Klaus was found fully clothed and stabbed to death by... He was found by a woman walking her dog on July 7th, 1974. Not stabbed by a woman walking her dog. Just clarification there. Um, Klaus's death was more violent than the previous murders as his throat had been slashed several times. Not really sure how you slash his throat several times, but that's what happened. Klaus was not openly gay, and how the police came to the conclusion that he was a closeted gay man was due to them finding a tube of makeup in his front pocket. Like Gerald, Klaus was unidentified for a short while after his death, but once identified, he was buried in Germany, his homeland. Next up was Frederick Elmer Kappen, a 32-year-old registered nurse and Vietnam War veteran that served in the Navy. Frederick was identified by his fingerprints after having been found dragged 20 feet away from where he was brutally stabbed, dying from a strike to his aorta. Finally, we have the last confirmed victim of the doodler. Harold Goldberg was the oldest of the victims and is the reason it matters that that all of the rest of the victims were fully clothed. Harold was found stabbed like the rest, but missing his underwear and his pants were unzipped. Before he was identified, Harold was known as John Doe, number 81. But like I mentioned in the intro, this case is severely lacking in the information department, which is why I didn't go into really any deep information about the victims as I have done in previous episodes. As for suspects, there are three. In 1977, two men from Redondo Beach were arrested in Riverside County, California for their potential connection to 28 murders that occurred after, quote, homosexual encounters, but police couldn't connect them to the killings in San Francisco. The last suspect out of three, like, short suspect list, who the police have never publicly identified by name, is the subject of a 1975 composite sketch of a young black man between the ages of 19 and 25, who is about six foot tall, lanky, and wore navy sailor-type watch cap, leading some to believe that he may have had naval affiliations, even though one of the surviving victims of the doodler claims that the killer admitted to him that he was a cartoonist. So, despite there being three surviving victims that we know of, none were willing to come forward and risk outing themselves as gay to the public. One of these surviving victims was a European diplomat, and the other was a well-known entertainer at the time. Additionally, the police have neither confirmed nor denied the rumors that the killer confessed his crimes to his psychiatrist at the time, who told police who the killer was. But those who believe in this theory are looking for a man with the last name of Priest, who was practicing in the East Bay area of San Francisco in the 1970s. If you have 
any information about someone fitting that description, please reach out to the proper authorities to report it. I will try to find the number to the proper authorities and link it in the case notes that I will drop in my Instagram. But sleuths, I'm sad to say that's all we've got at the moment. To sum it up, the doodler would be in his early to mid-60s in 2020 and is responsible for the murder of at least five Caucasian gay men in the 1970s. He could have been in the Navy, a cartoonist, or some form of artist, and very well may have been attending therapy to cope with his sexuality around the time of the murders. If you know anything, please let the San Francisco Police Department know. This case has been reopened, and they have DNA samples that they are ready to test against a viable lead. They have not entered the DNA into like a national database that's like scanning for it, but they do have it, which is a step in the right direction. The San Francisco police were inspired to reopen this case after the Golden State Killer was found so many years later. You, I'm sure you guys have seen the case, the court case coverage of the Golden State Killer, but that like leap in DNA science is one of the reasons so many of these cold cases are getting solved. <sighs> so, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week for episode 6, The Doodler. I'm sorry this episode was super short because I wish there was more information I could give y'all, but with the stigma around homosexuality back then, and still now, especially in the like older community who would have been like in these club scenes in the 1970s like I'm honestly not surprised that this case never really got off the ground and that people still aren't willing to come forward but hopefully someone out there listening to this episode or one like it will know who the killer is and come forward and these victims will finally receive the justice they deserve just a reminder to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Cold Case Study to check out the merch I sell on my Etsy shop, including a murder victim awareness bracelet, and to give my girls at Murder Vibes a listen, a like, a follow, subscribe, and all of that jazz. And if you like us, please leave us both a five-star Apple review on Apple review, a five-star review on Apple podcast. Y'all know what I meant so that more amazing people like you can find our shows. Keep your sleuth books handy and I'll see you next Friday for another cold case. Big shout outs this week to my big brother, Travis, who paid for this new microphone that I'm using. You're the best. And I promised I would keep y'all up to date on Young Queen's personal protection shop on Instagram. So go check her out on Instagram at youngqueen.shop where you can subscribe to her mailing list to ensure that you're safe, sexy, and secure. Again, thank you so much for listening. I love you guys so much. Mwah.